Praise God. Amen. Yeah. um, What a mighty God. (laughs) What a mighty God we serve. Praise the Lord. Um, Could you turn with me to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 1. God. If you're able to stand in honor just for the reading of this word, we'll kind of go through it together and then you can sit down together after that. Romans 8 1, it says, There is Therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot please God. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we're not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For if you have not received the spirit, for you have not received the spirit of bondage, Again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. Can I read one more? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What hope that is. What hope that is. What hope that is. Praise God. You can be seated. You can be seated. Praise God. Um, so, I don't know about you, but after reading those, those scriptures, 
I want to walk in the Spirit. Anybody else want to walk in the Spirit? <laughs> um, the Bible is pretty clear. It says that if, if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're walking in the flesh. Uh, if you don't, so to be fleshly minded or carnally minded, um, it says it's, it's enmity and it says it's death. And, and, it, and it says very clearly, it says you cannot please God that way. You can't please God by walking in the flesh. Um, but if I'm walking in the spirit, um, it declares and describes all these promises that we have, that we're free from the law of sin and death. Um, the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in me. Um, I'm pleasing to God. It says I'm an heir with, um, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. It says that I get to get resurrected on the last day. Uh, all these promises come because I walk in the spirit and I don't walk in the flesh. Uh, and so I think it's very important that we talk about walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. Um, because there's a lot of people that will tell you that, hey, we're just all sons of God because we're born. God, God created us all. But this tells me very definitively that it's only if you're walking in the spirit. Those that are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. Right? Verse 14 says that. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we have to talk about this being led of the spirit. We, we, we need to know um, that we're walking in the spirit. So uh, it doesn't say that if you, you know, come to church um, or, or if you gather together or it, it doesn't even just say that if you believe that Jesus did all this stuff, you are. It, it says you have to be led of the spirit, led of the spirit. Um, and so uh, there, it cannot be, uh, I'll say, overstated the importance of the Spirit of God, uh, the importance of the Spirit of God. If we can go back to um, John, uh, John chapter number four, <clears throat> John chapter number four, um, Jesus, I, I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but Jesus is, is meeting this woman at the well and this woman, we find out through this story, you can read it on your own if you haven't read it, but you find out through this story that this woman, um, it says that she had um, five husbands, and um, verse 18, you can check it out, Jesus says, you had five husbands, and the guy that you're with now is not your husband, um, and so we see that his discussion here was not with what we would call a pure person, a holy person. But his discussion with her was really about, in, in verse 10, uh, if you look at verse 10, uh, because he, he asked her, verse 7, give me the drink. Uh, the disciples were gone away, and this woman of Samaria is asking him, well, why are you talking to me? And he says, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, give me drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. 
Um, so Jesus is saying to her, he meets this woman uh, who has sinned and lived a life of sin and what we would say was far from God, and he meets her. But his conversation with her is, I want, basically, I want to give you something. I want to give you something. Um, his, his conversation with her is not, you're wicked, you're no good, you're messed up, you got problems and issues. His, his initial conversation with her is, if you knew what I had in store for you, you would just ask me for it. You wouldn't be caught up in a lot of this other stuff. You wouldn't be caught up in, well, the Jews worship here and we worship there and these are our rituals and those are our rituals and I'm a Samaritan and my culture says this and your culture says that. He was like, all that stuff would be wiped away if you knew and understood the gift of God. I think that can speak to us today. That there's a lot of stuff that gets washed away when we understand the gift of God. But there's a lot of junk that becomes big in my life when I don't understand the gift of God. And so it's not a problem of the junk. It's not, a, it's not an issue. I need to remove these things or, it's, or I, need, I need life to go smoothly for me. It's an issue of knowing the gift of God, of understanding what it is that God really wants to give us, what it is that God has imparted to us. For those of us that have already received it, and you know what I'm talking about, talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he's saying, if you knew this, and he's speaking to this woman at Samaria. Obviously, this is before he died, before Pentecost, and his declaration to this Samaritan was, if you knew it, you would ask for it. <laughs> like he's saying, you would, this is the thing you'd be going after. This is the one thing you'd be reaching after. You wouldn't have to reach for the men. You wouldn't have to reach for the relationships. You wouldn't have to reach for the affirmation from these people that, that don't count you, as, that count you as nothing. All that stuff would go out the window if you understood what Jesus was saying, if you understood what I have for you. You'd go after that with everything you have. And so uh, I believe what the enemy does to us, what the enemy does uh, in our hearts and in so many people's minds, is he blocks us from understanding the gift of God. <laughs> he, he, gets, he gets my focus on something other than the gift of God. He gets my focus on the problem, the issues, the people, my sin, whatever it is. He gets my focus on those things as opposed to what it is that God really has for me, what it is that God has given me, what he's, uh, what he's released to us. And so Jesus says, I would have given you living water. Um, she goes on and says, you don't have anything to drink. You don't have anything to pull from this well. Verse 13, Jesus answers, says to her, whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And I'm sure she's sitting there like, that makes no sense. But give me some of that. <laughs> like, I don't know what that really is, but it sounds good. <laughs> I want this water, right? That's what she says. Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. If you're talking about I don't have to keep coming back to this well and keep coming back and doing the same old, same old and, 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 and feeling ostracized and embarrassed and all that stuff and I can get it another way. She's like, just give me this water. I want it. 
And it's at that point that Jesus says, okay, let's deal with some things. Go call your husband and come hither, right? Now, what's the deal with her husband? He and I, her husband, we got some issues. <laughs> we got some stuff back with that whole husband stuff, right? Uh, literally, Jesus was saying, you want this water. Okay, there's some stuff we've got to deal with. There's, there's some things, there's some prerequisites to me giving you this water. And, and that thing was, and I think about this, that he brings her, he does not, he, he exposes this, her sin. He says, you said, well, you have no husband. So she immediately gets honest. She says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you well said, you have no husband. But then he brings out the full truth. He says, you've had five husbands, and the one who you now have is not your husband. And so in that, you truly, you were being truthful. So she was kind of being, you ever had a half-truth? Anybody ever done like, I'll tell part of it, but not the whole thing? <laughs> uh, no. Um, but God knows it all. Can, can, can you, do you know that he knows really who you are? He knows the truth. He already knows what you've done. He knows the stuff you've been involved in. He knows it. He knows, he knows your innermost, darkest self. He knows it. He knows it. But the crazy thing is, he came to this woman. He was the one who initiated the conversation. He knew all that about her, and yet he still came to her. He knew she had the five husbands and the lifestyle and all that stuff, and he came to her. And he didn't come to embarrass her. He didn't come to put her on the spot. He didn't come to, to uh, 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 my mind is going blank with words. He didn't come to embarrass her. I'll use that. <laughs> but he, he wasn't trying to degrade her or, or, or make a spectacle of her life or, or put his, you know, prophetic powers on blast and, ha, I can call you. No, he loved this woman. He loved her. And he said, I've got to allow you the space to deal with your past, with this thing that has identified you so that you can be free of it and so that you can be filled with what God really wants to give you. And so that's what Jesus wanted to do was he, he wasn't trying to deal with the past so he can make her keep reliving it. He wanted to deal with it so that she could be free from it. He, he, the only reason it's brought forward is so that he can take care of it and so that she doesn't have to continue living that way. And so, but she had to, she had to give it to him. She had to give it to him. And so anything you don't give to Jesus, he can't deal with. He won't force it. He won't force it. He'll bring it to the surface. He'll reveal it. He'll show it. But you've got to give it to him. You're going to have to confess it. And can I tell you his purpose in you doing that? He's not trying to make you relive it. He's not trying to beat you up for it. But he wants to handle it for you. That stuff that you don't know how to compartmentalize and it's too much why and I don't understand. And Jesus is saying, just bring that to me and let me handle it because I've got living water for you. And this stuff that you've had in your past is keeping you from the living water. And so I, I, I truly believe this, that even, even within the confines of the church, there is stuff that we have that we haven't given to him we we 
We haven't really gone there with the Lord. And in this season, God wants us to go there. God is saying, come on, let's go there. Let's, let's really, let's go there. Let's go there. I know, I know, I know you're looking and I know what people would say. But Jesus is saying, no, no, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to. But, but you and I, me and you, let's go there together. And, and the amazing thing he did for this woman was he sent all the disciples away. <laughs> you know. I don't find really too many other places where Jesus sent his disciples away. He was always with them because they were his disciples. He was, follow me. Like, basically, follow me everywhere I go. You stay by me. And then he's going to see this woman. He's like, all right, get out of here. Because he had, he, he didn't want to, he knew, he understood her frame. He understands what, it, what she needs. He, he understands the situation, the environment. And he's gentle. He's good. And you can trust him with your stuff. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to feel embarrassed. You don't have to feel less than. He's, he knows and he's come and he loves you. And he's just saying, bring it. Let's deal with it. Let's, let's deal with it. Let's talk about it. Put it on the table and let's see what we can work out. Just, just, just let me have it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. And so just get honest with the Lord. Right? This is... This is not, he, he didn't make her bring this to the disciples and tell the 12 what's going on. There's some stuff that you've just got to deal with Jesus one-on-one. One-on-one. Personal. You and him. And it may take some time. <laughs> but just you and him. Just let him work. And, and these are things the enemy wants to keep, he wants to keep undercover. He wants to keep hidden. He wants to keep kind of under the surface. It's not really bothering me. It's okay. It's, you know, it's there, but it just, and Jesus is saying, come on, let's get real. Let's, because, because here's the thing. He, he presented something first, though. He says, because if you knew the gift of God, that the, the knowing of the gift of God would give you the confidence and the boldness and, and, and the faith to say, okay, it's worth it to deal with this thing. It's worth it to allow this thing to go so that I can get this, this water that he's talking about. And so, um, you know, so Jesus talks about true worship and worshiping in spirit and in truth. And, um, and he just, he finishes on, and this woman, just, just an amazing story, but I'm not, Lord, help me not to linger too far. Um, But Jesus says something in um, John chapter 7. John chapter 7, and um, um, verse number 37. And um, he says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus, once again, he makes this declaration. Just, man, I wish I would, I would encourage you to study that out with that feast and the water and, and the rituals and stuff like that. And, and just how... 
uh, how, what, what type of a statement he was making. Like, there was so much water that was, <laughs> that was taking place in, in that feast and in the celebration of it. And for him to say that, he was basically saying, you're going through all these motions. You're going through all this religious motion. And he's saying, but if it's leaving you thirsty, come to me. If, if you're going through all of the stuff and you're doing the things and, and so on and so forth, but yet you, you're not living the life, he's saying, you got to come to me. You got to come to me. And I think there's a danger. There's a danger that we can go through religious motion, but not have the fullness of the life in us flowing through us. Um, and, 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 and I believe the Lord is, is wanting to, in this season, awaken people that, you know, are you, are you, are you thirsty? Like, are you, you're doing the stuff and you, uh, it's all, you know, but you're still, there's still something. And, and, and he's exposing that. I believe he's exposing that in this season that you've had all this stuff, but now I've, he's kind of shaken it. He's kind of eliminated some of those things that hid the fact that we were thirsty. That he's, he's eliminated some of those safety valves and protections that we had in our life and habits and rituals that kept us just okay and blinded to our thirstiness on the inside. But, but we realize, wait a second, there's, life is not in me. This, this life that he's promised is not flowing something's going on and Jesus says, if that's the case, come to me. Come to me. Because that's not okay with Jesus. That's not okay with Jesus for you to go through the religious motion and not have the life. For you to have a form of godliness, but not the power. Not living an overcoming life, not having the joy, not having the love, not having the peace. That's not okay with Jesus. That's not okay with Jesus. He's, he's, that's not what he created this for. It's not about just showing up, getting dressed up, looking the part, dressing the part, but inside you're full of dead men's bones, you're empty, you're depressed, you're frustrated, angry, bitter, hatred. That's, Jesus is saying you're thirsty for something real. And, 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 and he, he wants us to, and, and it's not to say that all this stuff is bad. He's saying, but you're going to have to come to me. You're going to really have to get honest about that if the life is not in you. And, and because if you knew, if you really knew, and, and here's, here's the danger is that um, because if you have a bunch of people, and I'm not saying that's here, but if you have a bunch of people that aren't really living the life, that are just going through the motions, just the religious motion, then that's all you think there is. That's all you imagine. Okay, well, I'm doing what they do, and, and this is just the way it is, and you kind of up and down and you struggle and then, you know, so on and so forth and you drudge and you just kind of make it through life. And, and, and that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to keep the secret away from us that there really is life, like real life, that you can live this thing every day. You, you, you don't have to have bad days in God. You, you don't have to have bad days in the Lord. You can have this well of life on the inside of you that's springing up into everlasting life. That's not to say stuff's not going to happen. Please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But that's saying there's going to be something on the inside that will keep you satisfied every day no matter what's happening. No matter what people are saying, no matter what people are doing, there's going to be something on the inside of me that's real, that's greater than what's on the outside. 
there's real life, real life, real joy, real power, real, real. And, and, and so he's saying, if, if you really knew, and so his, his concept was, I've got to tell you so that you'll know there's more. There's more. So the religious stuff that they were going through with the pouring and the waters and all that stuff, he's like, there's more than that. That's not where it's at. There's more. There's life. And so, um, man, Jesus, help me. Okay. John the Baptist is, is uh, his ministry, he, he proclaims to, to uh, people repentance and he baptizes them in water. But his whole thing, John's whole ministry, uh, if you were to summarize John the Baptist, anybody know who John the Baptist is? John the Baptist, is, he's a great man. Jesus says of them born of a woman, there has arisen no greater prophet than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was an amazing man in Jesus' eyes. In the world's eyes, he was nothing. He was a throwaway, get rid of him. But Jesus was like, there's nobody greater than John. Um, but John's, John's whole message was this. It was repent, be baptized in water, and there's one that's coming to fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you look at John's message, that was his message. Repent, I'll baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That was John the Baptist's message. It was Acts 2.38 before Acts 2.38. <laughs> Repent, be baptized in water, and, I'm, and he's going to fill you with his spirit. He's going to baptize you. And he was preparing the way for the Lord. He was preparing the way for what God ultimately wanted to do. Ultimately wanted to do. And so it was, it was as if John was saying the culmination of this guy that's coming, this Jesus, the Messiah that's coming, is he's going to fill you with his spirit. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That's, the, that's like the whole crux of it. That's, that's, that's everything. Jesus talking to this woman, he's telling her. He has, he has a blank slate. He can tell her anything he wants to say. She doesn't know anything. And his whole message was, I want to give you living water. I want to put that well on the inside of you and fill you from the inside out. And he was talking about the Holy Ghost. When he's talking to the religious people, he's saying, listen, if you're thirsty, I've got something. I've got uh, uh, rivers of living water that are going to flow through you. And it says this he spake of the Holy Ghost. At the end of his ministry, Luke chapter 24, the end of his ministry, he tells them, you're going to preach this gospel in the whole world. You're, you're going to declare me. You're going to do all this stuff. They had already done miracles. They had raised the dead. They'd cast out demons. They had done all that stuff. But Jesus told them, Luke chapter 24, but you need to tarry. You need to wait in the, city of, uh, in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Luke chapter 24, verse number 45, sorry, 40, 40, yes, 45. He says, and um, it's written, and it was necessary for Christ to uh, suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Repentance, remission of sins, preached in his name. You're witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He was literally saying all this stuff. I've died, I've risen, I've, I've shown you all these miracles, walking on water, everything. He says, but there's still the promise of the Father yet to be poured out. All of that was not the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father, he says, I'm going to send the promise of the Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So seemingly, do you understand, do you get the idea 
that Jesus was trying to push people to this. He was trying to open people's eyes to what he wanted to give them, that there was something more, right? More, 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 river, well, power, promise of the Father. Wait for it. I died. I did all this, but here it comes. Here it comes. Wait for it. And then Acts comes, right? The book of Acts, chapter 2, day of Pentecost. And I know you guys are like, well, why are you talking about this, Pastor Deez? We know this. We're a Pentecostal church. I know. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, day of Pentecost was fully come. They're all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, filled the house where they were sitting, peered unto them cloven tongues like a fire, sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow. And so they go on, verse number 12. Just look at that really quickly. And they were all amazed and were in doubt. And they said one to another, what does this mean? What is this? This Holy Ghost poured out. They're speaking in tongues. What is this? Verse 14, Peter stood up. With the eleven, lifted up his voice, said unto them, You men of Judea, all that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you, hearken to my words. These are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men dream dreams. On my servants and on my handmaidens, I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Wow. Wow. Did y'all see that? Hopefully. I don't know if it was up there or not, or if you had your own Bibles. But um, he, it was, it was finally, right? It wasn't something that, hey, this is, this is coming. That's what Jesus was saying. I'm, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. But it says it was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He was not yet glorified. So there was a yet to it. It was a yet to it. But even Jesus himself was pointing to it. He pointed to it with the woman at the well. He pointed to it with the, with the, with the religious people who were going through the feast rituals. He was pointing to that. His disciples who followed him for three and a half years, who saw all the miracles, who even did the miracles themselves, what did he do at the end? He pointed to something more. He says, I've got a promise of the Father that I want to send upon you. And he pointed to something more. And then here we have an Acts. It's poured out. They're speaking in tongues. And they say, well, what is this? And he's like, he doesn't say, hey, it's going to come. He says, this is that. It was prophesied by Joel. Hundreds of years before God spoke to Joel, I'm going to do it. Jesus, John the Baptist comes on the scene and says, he's going to do it. Jesus comes on the scene and says, I'm going to do it. And then finally on the day of Pentecost, Peter says, he did it. This is that. Like we got it. We have it. See, and so the enemy diminishes that because Jesus says something very powerful. He says, if you knew the gift of God, if you really understood what this is, he was saying to this woman, all the other stuff would fall by the wayside. All the other religious things and, and, and nonsense and questions and frustrations would be gone if you knew this, what I had for you, the gift of God. 
This, this is that. I believe God wants us to understand. He, he, we, we need to understand what it is that he has really done for us. If you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have that, which was prophesied by Joel. You have that that he told his disciples, I'm going to give it to you in a little while. Wait for it. It's the promise. It's the promise of the Father. It's, it, was, it was literally God doing something that he had never done before. Something so dramatic. He'd raised the dead before. He'd healed lepers before. He'd done miracles of provision before. But what this was, was something so out. The Bible even says that in, in, in Peter, I'm almost done, where it says this in, in Peter, where it says the, the men of old, they prophesied and inquired of the grace and the salvation that was going to come to us. They were, they were wondering, when is God going to do this thing? Is this, what is this new thing he's going to do? Like pouring out his spirit? What, huh? Like God, Jehovah, going to be inside? No, there's no... Uh-uh. God is holy. God is just. God's the miracle worker. He's the creator of the universe. There's, what is he going to do? He's going to, well, we know he, he has a temple. We know we build him a temple and he comes and we see his Shekinah glory and there's the cloud and, and we know the priest can only enter in once and we're, our access to God is limited by, by sacrifices and all that. But, but what are you saying he's, he's going to do? He's going to, what is he going to do later? He's, his presence is, is going to be in people? And, and literally, that's what the Bible says. It says they were searching and inquiring about the grace that was going to come to us. So let me say this. We're not victims. I, I pray you don't read your Bible and you're like, oh, man, I wish I could be like Moses. I wish I could be like David. I wish I could go... It says that David was like, man, I want to be like them. Because there's coming a day when people will have access to God walking down the street. There's coming a day where somebody could be in the midst of the trial of their life. And they could just put their mind on Jesus. And immediately the presence of God would just, there would be something they wouldn't have to travel hundreds of miles to Jerusalem. They wouldn't have to wait until a certain day. They wouldn't have to get a lamb and kill it and slay it. They wouldn't have to be from a certain lineage. But he's saying there's coming, there was a day coming where people could just, something could trigger on the inside, maybe just a thought. And they would lift up their hands, their voices, and the Almighty God, Jehovah, the I Am, would literally show up and comfort them and strengthen them and empower them. My God. And they, and they, and they wouldn't have to go to a priest. They wouldn't have to, to, to inquire of the Urim and the Thummim. They wouldn't have to, to have to say, hey, what is God saying? What does God want us to do? Tell me, do you have a word from God? Wait for the priest or the prophet. No, he's saying there's coming a day where every single person, he says, handmaids, maidservants, 
sons, daughters will have access, equal access to the voice of God. To the voice that thundered on the mountain, that shook the mountain, lightning, trumpet, earthquake. Moses, we can't stand it. You go hear from God, we can't. That voice. And, and this is why Jesus says to her, if you knew what you had, if you knew what I wanted to give you. I heard this, this has resonated in my heart. And is a, I think Jeff Arnold is the one that is the earliest I can remember ever hearing this from. And he said this, he says, carnality or carnality or the need for, and I think he used the word entertainment, entertainment. He says, the more, the less communion you have in the Holy Ghost is the more you need the entertainment and the stuff of the world. And that has stuck with me for years. It's amazing. And so Satan's job is to, <laughs> look at me, come on, this is what you want. Over here, over here, over here, ah, it's beautiful. It's nice. It's look, look at it. Look at this trouble. Look at this problem. Look, look, look. And, and, and all the while God's saying, do you know what I have for you? For those of us that are, do you know what you have in you? You don't have to go somewhere. You don't have to have a situation change. <laughs> There's a well in you. There's a well of life. And so the enemy comes and he'll attack our bodies to get our mind off the well. <laughs> he'll come and say, oh, look at what's going on. Look at what's happening in your life. But you're like, well, okay, yeah, I see that. But I got a well in me. <laughs> I, got, I got living water that's springing up. <laughs> oh. And so, um, you <laughs> Okay, we're, we we got to finish. But he says, right, Jesus, we read the scripture in Romans 8 where he talks about, like, you can walk in the spirit and you fulfilled the law. Like, what? Like, this well is not just goosebumps. This thing, this Holy Spirit, this Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, it fulfills the law. Everything that they couldn't do, I got it in me. I got it in me. Like, like that's, I think, does somebody know how many laws were there? Were there 600? 613, thank you. I was going to say 613, thank you. 613 laws. You don't have to memorize them all. You just got to walk in the spirit. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, the Holy Ghost. This is why we need the Holy Ghost. And, and I don't even like to say it that way. You get to have it. You can have it. Like Jesus never, he, he didn't declare it like, you better 
receive the Holy Ghost. It was like, do you know the gift I got for you? Like, do you know what I'm trying to offer you? And he realized, he says, because if you knew what it was, you would ask for it. And so, church, our job, we can't force nobody. We don't have to sit there and argue with people. You need the Holy Ghost. No, I don't. You need the Holy Ghost. No, I No, just, it's a, it's a, they just don't know the gift of God. <laughs> and it's our job not to make it seem like some ugly thing and makes you bitter and angry. And if they you see you like, I got the Holy Ghost and you need the Holy Ghost. And they see that in you, they're like, I don't want that. I don't want that. But if there's life in me, if there's real life, and I'm not talking about just, okay, somebody got a microphone and they're excited. No, like life, like you're alive. You've got peace where anybody else might have no peace. You've got joy when somebody else would have no joy. The things that would move everybody else don't move you from your position of righteousness and love. People are going to recognize there's something in you that's different. It's easy, right, if, if, if everything's good, it's happening, and, you know, so on and so forth. Okay, whatever, you, you react the same way I do. But when there's stuff springing up into life beyond what's happening, and so we have such an opportunity. We have such a privilege today, such a privilege um, to declare, to let people know the gift of God. The gift of God. Wow. Wow. And it's not, you know, the gift of God is not everything goes right. That's not it. The gift of God is not smooth sailing. The gift of God is not no problems, no pain. That's not the gift of God. That wasn't the gift of God. It was the Holy Ghost. It was the spirit, the presence of God inside of you. Him making you his temple. He's in me. He's in me. And I just, I just have to follow what he says. I just got to do what he says. Man, oh, man. All right, Lord, I've taken too long. All right, our musicians can come, please. <clears throat> um, wow, so um, we just need to know what we have, realize the, the goodness of the Holy Ghost, and um, he, he, he says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're sons of God. It says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Right? There's a, there's a cry that comes out from the Spirit of God in me, and it, it connects with, with the Spirit, with, with God the Father, and it's literally just crying out to him, you know. And um, we didn't even read the scripture, but I, I dare you to check it out, Romans 8, where it talks about, it says, uh, we don't even know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself makes intercession for us. Like, <laughs> you don't even have to figure out what to pray for. The Holy Ghost will pray through you. It's just so wonderful. So wonderful. And um, the enemy gets the church off on so many small things. 
puny, pathetic stuff that's like, really? And uh, sometimes, sometimes I have an imagination. Well, actually, a lot of times I have an imagination. Sometimes it's useful. Um, but <laughs> just sometimes I imagine, you know, some of those Old Testament guys kind of looking at me and we're sitting around talking. And, uh, and uh, just, you know, some of the stuff that I complain about or maybe kind of gets me bothered. And, uh, and, and, but them like, but do you know what you have? Like, like David would say, like, listen, in that situation, like what did David do? And, and they're about to hurt him or stone him and everything. The Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he had to consult with the priest for direction, right? Should I? Should I go get him? And he had to consult, and the priest had to tell him and everything. And uh, I've got the Urim and the Thummim, like, in here. I've got the, the counsel of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God, right? That same power that parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel, right? You know, that was God blowing and part of the Red Sea. It's in us. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And so, um, wow, I don't know what else to say. It's good. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Um, and I tell you this, so, who's getting hot in here? Um, I was filled with the Holy Ghost several years ago, and um, I can be honest with you, at the time, I had no idea what I had. I had no idea. I just knew, okay, this is, man, it's available, and seek God over my heart, over my heart. God filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I started speaking in other tongues. First time ever. I had never lifted my hands in, in worship before, but I opened my heart to Jesus. I really, I really got my mind on him, and I said, okay, God, whatever you have, I want I want what you have. And I did. And God filled me. And I started speaking in other tongues. Opened my mouth. And it's the first time ever. And um, But it's amazing because I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't understand it. And it was years. And, and even now, I'll, I be, I'll be honest with you, I don't fully know everything. But it's amazing to learn more and more. And the more I know about what he did, the less stronghold or power the enemy has in my life. It's amazing. The more I know about the gift of God, <laughs> the more joy I have. He's not giving me more joy. It's not like, okay, I'm going to pour more joy into you. It's <laughs> some things are being released out of my mind, and I'm understanding the truth, and it's <gasps> that well is producing more joy, more peace. And, uh, and so uh, I believe two things the Lord wants to do here. He wants to stir those that have the Holy Ghost. Know who you are. Know who you are. Know what you have. Know what's in you. And then if there's someone here that you don't have the Holy Ghost, that spirit has not come inside of you yet. 
God promises in Luke chapter 11, verse 12, he says this. He says, if you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him. Like, it's not a wage. It's not earned. You don't ever deserve it. It's a gift. And all you got to do is ask for it. Ask for it and believe it, and he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll fill you with his spirit. And um, there's more I could say. Jesus, I've talked to Help me. Praise God. So if there's anybody here that wants to respond in any way, maybe renew your minds, or um, if you want the spirit of God, we'll pray for you. Pray. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. God will do it. It's his gift. It's not ours. Amen. Well, let's take some time and pray, okay? Let's take some time and just let God speak and settle our hearts.